It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. Going back to the bullpen today, my good friend Sam Ekstrom, co-host and producer of the Ron Johnson Show. Sammy, how you feeling? Is the arm all warmed up and ready to go? Hey, I'm always ready. I'm always ready for the call. I mean, I know that Rocco wouldn't advise it, but I'll go back-to-back <laughs> days. I'll pitch two days. I'll pitch three days in a row. It doesn't matter to me. I've got a rubber arm, as they call it. So let's let's get into this stuff, man. We got a fun show lined up today because we're talking about and breaking down the Vikings' interior offensive line and where they rank among the rest of the NFL and the NFC North, plus talking some twins after a long, rough weekend. And later, I'm putting Sam on the hot seat with what does it mean. All coming up on Superior Sports Talk. Remember to follow along on Locked On Minnesota YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button. And on Twitter, smash that follow button at LockedOnMIN. To football we go, 57 days until week one of the NFL season kicks off. ESPN's latest article ranks the 10 best interior linemen in football. Now, Sam, you weren't around, but Reggie and I went through the running backs and the wideouts. We did the defense. We even broke down Kirk Cousin and the quarterbacks. We're on to interior offensive line today. 50 NFL scouts, coaches, front office members huddled up, made their rankings, and to no one's surprise... Not one Viking was found on the list. Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin, Brandon Scherf, Joe Thune, Joel Batinio are your top five. Sam, we know the interior of this Vikings unit is the soft spot on the roster. In fact, of all 22 starting positions, really, at the end of the day, their top two biggest question marks heading into both camp and the season land in this category when it comes to strictly starters. So they need to find out who their starting right guard will be and if... Garrett Bradbury can finally flip the switch on in KOC's new system and if he can revive his career, so to speak. If not, they better be working on plan B right now before you get into the middle of the season and all of a sudden it's too late. Yeah, uh, you know what the saying is, Luke? When you have five right guards, you actually have none. (laughs) And that's how I feel about the Minnesota Vikings right now because you could make a case for Jesse Davis, Chris Reed, uh, Wyatt Davis, Ed Ingram, Ole Udo is still on the roster. Mm-hmm. Like You've got a million guys that can do it, but who do you trust? I don't trust anybody at this point. I don't know who they're going to put there week one. I think certainly Ed Ingram has the most upside, but you can't assume that rookies are the solution. Rookies build up your depth. They build up your future. You can't assume that they are going to be year one solves. That was the mistake with Wyatt Davis. They assumed that was a year one solve, and then they realized pretty fast, uh-oh, this guy can't do it. That was the thing with Drew Samia. Uh-oh, this guy can't do it either. So here we are again, the definition of insanity, going through this same process, hoping, hoping, praying that someone internally will rise up and take this job or that a minimum veteran free agent will emerge and have a career year suddenly. 
the the approach has never made sense to me, Luke. The mm-hmm. way they sort of diminish um, their efforts on the interior offensive line in free agency. I know they didn't have a lot of luck with you know the Alex Boons of the world, but you have to try once in a while. You have to spend some of your money there, and they they've elected not to do that now for several years in a row. They've taken these half measures when Kirk Cousins continues to get you know, blown up because Garrett Bradbury can't hold up or, you know, the the guy next to him can't hold up. Ezra Cleveland is a bright spot, Luke. Let's let me let me give you something positive. I think Ezra Cleveland gives you a reliable piece on that interior offensive line. So there's one. So can you get one more reliable piece out of center or right guard? So then you got two out of three. Then you can mask your weaknesses a little bit more effectively. I think last year they had two pretty glaring weaknesses. They had Udo and they had Bradbury. And that was just a, a huge like target for defensive uh, lines to go at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you have two out of three strong in there, you can do, do all right. So the question is, is it your right guard du jour who's going to be that strong spot? Or is it Garrett Bradbury improving? I don't have a lot of faith in either one, Luke. Yeah, might be time to finally let go of my Garrett Bradbury rookie card. Not sure that one's going to pay off like I thought it would. Luckily, they're Sport Card Investor. Sport Card Investor, completely free, and you can browse from over 630,000 cards at any given time. Download the Sports Card Investor app today, available for free in the Google Play and Apple stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. Back to the interior line talkers. Yeah, it feels like they'll have a three-man battle, like you said. Good mix of young guys and vets. Rookie Ed Engram, third-round pick last year, Wyatt Davis, and the vet Jesse Davis, who I'll assume will start camp out as the starter from what we saw from OTAs. And then at center, I guess it's Bradbury's job to lose, but this is it, right? I mean, last chance dance for him. They know Kirk needs a clean pocket to step up into and have time to scan the field and that's the engine that's going to make this highly anticipated KOC offense hum a lot of pressure here for O'Connell riding on what he can do with Kirk Cousins if Bradbury struggles I guess Chris Reed would be the next guy in line to get a shot and take over not a guy that probably like you said instills the most confidence in the fan base but here's what's frustrating about the list when I look at it this interior line has been the Achilles heel for this team since Almost the Brett Favre era back in 09-2010. Ever since then, you've mentioned a few of these guys. It's just been a grab bag of cheap free agent vets. Brandon Fusco, David Yankee, Joe Berger, Mike Harris. list goes on and on. Every draft they leave with a middle-round lineman, as you mentioned, who gives us a little hope. TJ Clemens, Drew Samia, again, David Yankee from Stanford. Pac-12 Offensive Lineman of the Year. Number one guard on some experts' big boards bust. Now it feels like Wyatt Davis could be the next on this list after we heard nothing, just crickets from him last season. But when you look at this list from ESPN's top 10 interior linemen in the NFL, I'm sitting here staring at Brandon Sheriff and Joe Thune, two of the top five best guards in the NFL. And either one of those guys you could have had if you just opened up the wallets a little bit and paid top dollar. You don't want to build your team through free agency, but when you're just one or two pieces away, it's a great way to complete your team and kind of put the finishing touches on those last glaring holes. And they could have turned their biggest weakness into a strength if they went out and signed just one of those guys. And after the decade of, of inconsistencies, like you said, I just can't understand why you just don't kind of admit defeat and say, okay, 
Clearly, we're not very good at drafting and developing these guys. Let's just go get what you pay for and sign a Pro Bowl guard and free agency and be done with it. And that's what stings the most, I think, when I look at this list. Last one as we wrap up. Quick look at the rest of the NFC North. Elton Jenkins, the only guy from the division on the list at number seven. Frank Ragnow from Detroit makes the honorable mentions. How much worse does it sting looking at Jenkins thriving in Green Bay, knowing the Vikes mm -hmm. passed on him for Garrett Bradbury in the same draft? And what's just your quick thoughts on the NFC North interior lines for both kind of today and then looking long-term in the future? Yeah, uh, Jenkins is one of those just home run picks by the Packers mm -hmm. who's got positional flexibility. Like, um, no one's ever thought of Garrett Bradbury as a tackle. Well, right. Elton Jenkins can play. He's like a five-position guy, five-tool player on that offensive line. So that one really stings the fact that the Vikings took a used a first-round pick on Garrett Bradbury, didn't get much out of that pick, and you missed on Elton Jenkins, who would have been brilliant. The Packers and Lions have really good offensive lines set up for the future. The Bears are a mess. I'm, I'm not going to put the Bears in this conversation, but the NFC North has a very good set of offensive line pieces. And I, I'll include Darrison O'Neal in that too. I mean, I think mm -hmm. that those are bookend tackles that can be around in Minnesota for a long time. But the Lions have done a nice job building their trenches as the foundation of this new team under Dan Campbell. And the Packers, anchored by Bakhtiari, and then you draft Jenkins. I mean, those are two cornerstones right there. Uh, so I, I, I think that Green Bay, there's, there's no surprise that Green Bay protects Aaron Rodgers the way they do. They've got a lot of talent. They've got the big left tackle who, you know, missed a lot of last year, remember. He's probably going to strengthen that offensive line this year upon his return. Um, I think the Vikings are right in that third spot in the NFC North in terms of offensive line play. And like I said, if they can find one diamond in the rough, if they can get one, just one person, one time in history to rise up and have kind of unexpected success, that would go a long way toward revitalizing this group. How long, Luke, since the Vikings got like kind of a surprise player who was like really good? John maybe jo Sullivan? Joe Berger, I mean, maybe? John yeah. Sullivan? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, they, the guys that are good, they drafted high. And some of the guys they drafted high weren't good either. Right. Um, but they rarely have had like a late round pick actually uh, blossom. So, yeah, Sullivan's a good one. That was about, what, 13 years ago, 14 yeah. years yeah, ago? Yeah, it was, it, it was almost, it, and it was almost uh, maybe the worst thing that could have happened to him because it felt like they thought, okay, maybe this is a little bit easier than everybody thinks. Maybe we're good at this, finding these day three interior offensive linemen. Maybe we figured out something that everybody didn't, and they just continued to try to strike gold with that philosophy. And then after uh, John Sullivan, it was just swing and miss after swing and miss. Seriously, what would you trade for Quentin Nelson right now? If if Chris Ballard called you up on the phone and said, hey, I'm open for business, name your top offer. What is it? Quentin Nelson, best guard in NFL right now. What would you give up? I would give up like, I'd give up a first round pick. Easy. I, maybe I think I'd give up. I'm not kidding you, Sam. I think I'd give up three first. Throw in a conditional fifth in there. And Wyatt Davis, take it, done. I mean, Quentin Nelson is one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. Best guard I've seen since probably Larry Allen, period. I mean, he's generational, first ballot Hall of Famer. He's the guy that makes everybody around him better. And Kirk Cousins and this entire offense, I think, would thrive with him protecting up front. I know it sounds ludicrous. I'm dead serious. I mean, this game is won and lost in the trenches. And Nelson is a guy that I think can give you 
an extra one or two wins alone. When's the last time you can say that about a guard? I want him. I want him bad. Plus, think about it. All those first-round picks, Sam, would be the 32nd pick in the order after you went back-to-back-to-back-to-back <laughs> Super Bowls. What can you say? <laughs> no, think about this, though, Sam. We just mentioned yeah. a laundry list of guys they've tried to take a stab at on day two and day three. Uh, Wyatt Davis, third-rounder. Pat Elfline, third-rounder. Drew Samia, third-rounder. A couple fourth-round. Willie Beavers, TJ. Imagine if you just pulled all those together and then threw another first first and maybe a second, you could have got a stud offensive guard or interior lineman for the price that they've paid over the years when you look at how many swings and misses they've had. Pretty cool to see these rankings, get some healthy debate going. We want to hear from you. Go comment on the YouTube channel. Let us know what you think. 57 days until week one of the NFL season. Vikings training camp nearly one week away. Until then, Reggie, Sam, and I got you covered every step of the way. All right. To baseball we go. Your Minnesota Twins are living fans' worst nightmare right now after a 27-16 and 16 start. They've now gone sub-500 the rest of the way and watched their lead in the division disappear again. Twins just two games up on Cleveland, three on the Sox after losing three or four this weekend to Chicago. Archer, Smeltzer, Sonny Gray, all with tough outings this weekend. Dylan Bundy, the only starter who managed to get a win. There's been a little Jekyll and Hyde vibe going on with this team all year. We've seen just how good they can be when they're playing well at all phases and they're healthy. Quick thoughts on this weekend series and what's like the identity of this team as we sit here today? When you say Twins baseball, what do you think? How do you feel? I think this is a team without an identity. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think that's part of the reason there's not much buy-in um, with this club from the fans. I mean, they they actually got some fans in the ballpark this past week. They've been kind of low on attendance until the you know, summer comes around. People start to, to really tune into this, this you know, division chase because the Twins are in first. And they had, you know, 37,000 people watch a clunker against Milwaukee, Mm. um, three out of four clunkers against the White Sox. Just a disappointing slump to go into the All-Star break when when you're at home, you've got a big road trip coming out of the break, and and you lose uh, four out of six. I, I, I don't see a lot of clutch hitting in this offense. I no longer see sort of that scintillating starting pitching. It's a little more hit or miss. And the bullpen is 16th in ERA, it feels like they're 26th. I mean, the the way that that bullpen has let them down throughout the year, I mean, I, I don't point to any one piece of this team and say, that's what they're amazing at. I mean, even Byron Buxton, he's he's a starter in the All-Star game now, Luke. That's still a flawed player. I mean, he's, he's not hitting for average. He's striking out a ton. Uh, clearly, he's bothered, I think, by that knee. He's not hitting nearly as consistently as he did earlier in the year or even last year. Um, and Luis Arise, amazing player, my favorite twin to watch. Doesn't have a lot of power. I know he hit a home run on Saturday, but like even the even the good parts of this team, you can kind of nitpick at. And they haven't built any momentum after that fast start to the year. So what was the record you gave? Twenty seven and sixteen. So right, twenty three and twenty eight since then. Mm. That's mm-hmm. that that's losing baseball. I mean, that is that's bad baseball. You might even say. Yeah, so it, I, I, there's concern. 
what's their identity when you ask? They're, they're a 500 baseball team because that's how they've played the last two months. Middle of the road with a lot of ups and flash, but no consistency. Like you said, we talked about timely hitting on the roundtable discussion last weekend with uh, Ron Johnson. And you look at some of the best teams in baseball. They don't rank that high in, in team average when you look at all 32 teams. But the Dodgers, the Braves, you know, the Yankees. Best teams at timely clutch hitting, something the Twins have struggled mightily with. I don't know what happened with these starting pitchers either, by the way, because they were on a tear, some would say. Someone might need to get them some Built Bars. Built Bar, made with collagen protein, so it's easily digestible and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15. We know how lucky they got with those starting pitchers up to this point, far exceeding everyone's expectations of what we had going into the year. But is it over? Like, has the luck just run out? Is it time to finally make a move for more pitching help? Where do you sit with just how likely it is the Twins make a move before the trade deadline? And if so, more likely it's for another starter or reliever from what you've seen and heard. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be both. I mean, I think you I think you desperately need bullpen. So if I had to pick, I would go get some bullpen arms. First and um, foremost, need bullpen. I, I think so. I think mm-hmm. that you just cannot sustain the final 60-plus games of the year with your current setup. I think you can sustain yourself with your current allotment of starters. I mean, even even some of those back-end arms, you know, Chris Archer's got a 3-4-1 ERA. That's acceptable for a number 4 starter. Mm-hmm. Devin Smelter just got optioned down, kind of came back to earth, but he's been serviceable. Um, Sonny Gray's slowed down a little bit. Joe Ryan has slowed down a little bit. So you're seeing ERAs in the threes and fours right now. It's not great. It's not going to kill you. Um, the bullpen is killing you. Emilio Pagan has cost you so many games. Uh, Griffin Jacks has had a couple rough outings of late. Tyler Duffy is still like regaining confidence. So you need bullpen help. I think they go try to raid some of those struggling uh, teams' bullpens. Find like the one or two guys that you know are are still worth their salt in those bullpens, and and then give up some prospects. I mean, you can't cling too tightly to your prospects when you're a first place team. Twins need bullpen help. Um, but Luke, I wouldn't mind another starter either. The injury bug on this team, as contagious as that is, you got to have a little bit of depth to withstand those times when you have guys on the IL. Yeah, I wonder too, if you do make a move for a starter, what's the odds and probability you could move a guy like Chris Archer, let's just say for example, who only goes four, maybe five innings anyways, and move him to the bullpen and just have some more position flexibility there. I'm not sure. I haven't seen the odds on Bavada or in Vegas, anything like that. I saw Oakland A's Frankie Montas, one of the favorites the Twins would be to trade for him. So we'll see how it all shakes out. How much longer we got here till the trade deadline? It's got to be coming up what two three weeks away? days or so isn't it the 31st days. typically yeah i think so yeah you're right nice six day break and rest for the twins during the all-star break they need it because when they come back they start the second half of the season with seven games on the road detroit milwaukee and san diego home run derby tonight all-star game tomorrow in la keeping tabs on bucks and arise no doubt rest assured reggie and i got you covered this week to break it all down sam you got a favorite home run derby or all-star moment you remember as a kid you know, I um I loved watching Josh Hamilton at oh, Yankee how Stadium. Great was that thirteen Hit. in a row first round, twenty eight bombs. 
that's that's a great memory on your part. And the best part too was Chris Berman doing the play-by-play for that. So Berman, of course, you know, back, 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 yeah, he's the yeah. winner. I don't know if you remember this either, but Josh Hamilton had just come back from the, you know, like being down and out of baseball, out of life, mm-hmm. drug addiction, got sober, came back. Amazing comeback, incredible story. He's got his childhood coach on the mound, 71 years old at the time. And then again, all he does, 28 bombs in the first round, 13 in a row. Like you mentioned, eventually loses Justin Morneau. Just a cool Minnesota Twins all-star moment. Um, I'm trying to think. I'll never forget Torrey Hunter robbing Barry Bonds for a home run. Um, That was like peak Barry Bonds era too. So that was a lot of fun to see. Ken Griffey Jr. was great back in the home run derby days. Camden Yards, backwards hat and all. Hits a ball off the warehouse in right field. I think that was 93. Nothing cooler for me watching Ken Griffey Jr. Guys like Frank Thomas, A-Rod was just coming up back in the mid-90s in baseball. That was a lot of fun. You got one more? I was just going to say, Brian Dozier more recently, yeah. you know, when when he made his all-star debut, he was just on that tear. I don't know if you remember this, but mm. he was hitting game-winning home runs going into the all-star break, and then in the all-star game, he gets one at bat, goes deep, I think off a pretty good pitcher, and really put his name on the map as, a, as an up-and-coming player. Brian Dozier, one of the low-key top twins of the 2010s. All right. Time has come. Favorite segments here. I'm putting Sam on the hot seat covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports. Here we go. MLB draft got underway this weekend, and with the eighth overall pick, your Minnesota Twins selected shortstop from Cal Poly Brooks Lee. What does it mean for the present and long-term future now of the Twins at the shortstop position with so many bodies and so much young talent as we sit here today? Carlos Correa, the now. Royce Lewis, obviously, coming up here soon. Coming off another ACL tear, a couple question marks. And now you got another top 10 pick in the pipeline with Brooks Lee coming up. What do you think? Yeah, so I won't profess to have grinded the film on on Brooks Lee. Mm -hmm. But 21 years old, you know, a lot of these guys come out when they're 18, 19 years old, and they take a little longer to develop. So he's played college ball. He's 21. Maybe a situation where they can get him to double A pretty quickly here and, and maybe see him on a big league field two years down the road that that I think expedites his path a little bit um the twins have been drafting middle infield talent for years now Nick Gordon um first round pick Royce Lewis you know that they've added and now Brooks Lee and it it just tells you that middle infield talent does not grow on trees I mean that Mm -hmm. is a premium position um it takes a special kind of defensive player to do it and if you find one that also can hit like a Carlos Correa that that's the jackpot those guys get paid Correa type money, which is $35 million a year. And I think there's a pretty great skepticism that Carlos Correa is not long for this team, uh, despite how much the fans would love it. No one seems optimistic that he's going to resign. Now, I don't know what's in his brain, but I think this whole thing was set up for him to opt out and then sign a lucrative deal elsewhere. Um, I look at his season and I, I, I don't know if he's going to make more on the market. I, I assume he would because there's no cap in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to have shortstop talent in the pipeline. 
right? And Royce Lewis probably is your guy next year, but who knows about his health? And, and hey, it's never a bad thing to have dueling shortstops. I mean, you can always move one to second base. You can maybe move one to third. Like, it, it's not impossible to shift their positions around either. So um, I like the pick. I mean, I like the positional value. I would like to see the Twins, you know, get some more pitching in the pipeline too. I know they took a pitcher in the second round. Um, early round pitchers have been their kryptonite. For, for many years, so let, let, let's let's see if this new front office, the the Falvey and Levines, can uh, can get that turned around and find some good young pitching. You know me, big NFL draft guy, like you, didn't grind the film or anything on this MLB draft, but Reggie and I, you know, sprinkled it into the shows. I heard that it wasn't going to be known as a big pitching draft, like the Twins may be on the clock at eight and no pitchers would likely have gone. Well, two pitchers ended up going in front of them, so that was interesting to see. And what does that mean? It means talent kind of fell in their lap. Here's what CBS Sports said. Simple rule of thumb. If you get the number two ranked player at number eight, then you get an A grade. Lee, good hitter, strong instincts. They may move him from shortstop as a professional starting to think maybe like you said second base or third base is maybe the more long-term plan with him questions about the long-term health with his knee in the back still seem like a lock to go top five all summer making this one of the better value picks so you're right not sure exactly what the long-term plan is there but you just want to add best players available that's what it seems like the twins did this past weekend all right next one up what does it mean ESPN's latest article started to dissect each team's 2019 draft class starting with the New England Patriots. When looking back at the Minnesota Vikings Hall, what does it mean when dissecting who was their best pick and what overall grade would you give them now? 2019 class. Here you go. Um, Let me rip it out for you real quick. I got it. I got it in front of me here. Yeah, go ahead. Bradbury, Irv Smith, Alexander Madison in the third round, Drew Samia, Cameron Smith, linebacker from USC, Armin Watts, Marcus Epps, Ole Udo, Chris Boyd, Dylan Mitchell, Ola BC, Austin Cutting. So this is a classic Spielman where he trades back, stockpiles day three, six, seventh rounders. What do you have? Seven, sixth, and seventh rounders collectively. <sighs> kind of an incomplete. If I had to give a grade, Sam, I guess I'd give it maybe like a C minus because first and foremost, you got to hit on your first round pick. Mm -hmm. Didn't hit on Garrett Bradbury. Now the discussion's not over. We'll see what he does with the new coaching staff, new regime under KOC, but not looking great. Irv Smith flashed when he's out there. Still again, though, back-to-back -back years on the IR with ACL injuries. Alexander Madison's been a great running back, back up to Dalvin. Dalvin always gets dinged up, misses a couple games. He's been really solid. Drew Samia was a miss. Cameron Smith, open heart surgery. He's got to quit football. Armin Watts, Ole Udo, Chris Boyd, and Ola BC. There's, I guess, some glue in the cracks of your roster right there. Some good depth pieces there. Nothing that screams, oh my gosh, you found a Hall of Fame diamond in the rough on day three, though. Yeah, so you've got 12 picks here. Mm -hmm. Seven of them are on the team still, so you've already lost five. Of those seven, Luke, it's conceivable that none of them will sign a second contract with this team. That's why Gar Garrett Bradbury is in a contract year. And unless he shows massive improvement, he's gone. I don't think he's coming back. Irv Smith Jr. Now this one, the Vikings just may not be able to afford Irv because if he plays the way that he's capable, and this is probably the best pick in this draft. If Irv plays that well, and the Vikings know they have to pay Jefferson coming up. I don't know if they can afford Irv Smith. Yeah. Irv's uh, going to get paid. Kind of so a lose-lose. Either yep. he stays healthy and he blows mm -hmm. up, and then you got to pay him, or he ends up getting hurt again, and you just have to let him go after three straight years on the IR. You're right. Yeah, yeah. The tight end depth is, is a real concern on this team. I mean, mm -hmm. Madison, nice player, probably not coming back. 
Armin Watts, nice player. Don't know what his future holds. Ole Udo, don't see a future for him. Chris Boyd, for a seventh-round pick, got some special teams work out of him. And then Ola B.C. Johnson, obviously a nice hit on the front end. Haven't gotten anything from him for two years, though. So, uh, I'm again, I, I think I said the word nice a couple times. Yeah, some nice picks. Nothing's blowing me away. And the best pick that you had, Irv Smith, uh, got hurt in his potential breakout year. So uh, it, it feels to me like a D. I mean, if you can't re-sign one of these guys for one reason or the next, um, that's a pretty alarming indictment on on the way that those players were developed. Yeah, still hinging again on your first two picks. It's not over, but... You start to hear the fat lady singing a little bit here in the background. Mm-hmm. Irv Smith, again, a lot of excitement, a lot of potential. Fans, coaches starting to mumble a little bit. This could be his breakout year finally. We've seen it, but now he needs to put it all together. And then Garrett Bradbury, I guess you're just rolling the dice on a new coaching staff, new regime, new system that ends up helping him flip the switch on and revive his career. When you look at the 2019 draft just as a whole, Fikes could have had Jeffrey Simmons, who went one pick after them to the Tennessee Titans, obviously one of the best defensive tackles in the entire league now. And then, like we mentioned, you could have got Elton Jenkins, sniped him from the Packers, and you could have left uh, there with Jeffrey Simmons, Elton Jenkins. Easy to say, of course, but I remember thinking back, boy, if Jeffrey Simmons ends up being as good as he could be, he was coming off an ACL tear. He should have went in the top five, seven picks anyways. Only reason he fell that far and so many teams passed on him was because of the injury scares. But looking back, easy to say for sure, but man, can you imagine what this team would look like right now with those two guys, Jeffrey Simmons and then Elton Jenkins uh that that would have been nice yeah anybody else from that 2019 draft class kind of look back and remember what was yeah I mean I think the the most disappointing pick is Drew Samia without a doubt because yeah. when you picked him early in that fourth round if I recall yep they I mean it back he was up. he he was on everybody's board like Mel Kuyper's top yep. five available, available going going into day three and then you got Drew Samia, kind of a Wyatt Davis situation where, where people were saying, hey, he was a second-round value. They got him in the third or they got him in the fourth. Um, well, there's probably a reason why that happened, right, in both of those cases. And and Drew Samia, just a guy who never got it figured out, never had the right attitude from from things that I heard and observed. Um, just, not, just That was definitely a big, big miss, and I know they were counting on him to fill a starting spot in, uh, in at least year two. So for that to be a complete whiff, um, you're only getting 15 total games out of him. I don't know how many starts there were in there, just a handful. Um, not a good selection there in the fourth round. Yeah, it says he played in 15 games. I don't know if he started any of them. We'd have to go yeah. back and look. But it, uh, it says four starts, four starts yeah. on his reference page. So yep. if you if you backed me up into a corner and said, Luke, you got to pick one guy that you think will still be on the team in 2023 from these entire 12 draft picks in this 2019 class, you know who I'd say? Ola B.C. Johnson, I think, has the best shot of being the only guy that comes back when you look at this list of Bradbury, Irv Smith, Madison, all the guys that you mentioned. Madison, you know, kind of hitting on Kenny Nwangu and then drafting Ty Chandler. Seems to be there's some writing on the wall for Madison not to return as well. We'll see how all that plays out, though. As we get into training camp again, almost one week away, 57 days until week one of the NFL season. All right, that's a wrap. Back here tomorrow, breaking down more Twins, Vikes, plenty more. Remember, like, rate, review, subscribe 
subscribe to the YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Sam Ekstrom. Follow him on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. And every day on the Ron Johnson Show, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Sam, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.